0: I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back to the PA the FI way podcast. The podcast for PAs interested in learning more about personal finance as they strive to reach financial independence. I'm your host, Kat. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Kristen Burton, who is a certified PA and founder of Strive with Kristen. I have enjoyed meeting another PA who is also teaching other PAs as well as other healthcare professionals about financial independence. So I'm so excited to be having her as a guest today. She has an incredible debt payback story and has a wonderful resource for those who would like to have more help in learning about how to get started on their journey to reach financial independence, which we will discuss a bit later in the episode. But first, welcome to the PA the FIOA podcast, Kristen. Would you tell us a bit about you as a PA? Where did you go to PA school and what specialties you've been practicing in? Sure,
1: sure. Thank you for having me. First off, I really appreciate it. So I've been a PA for about five years. I currently work in pulmonary critical care. And prior to that, mostly did cardiology. Um, It was a predominantly inpatient job with some outpatient as well. And then I very briefly did some hospitalist work. So I've done a little collection of things. Almost all of it has been in the hospital. So inpatient medicine is really my love. I graduated from Butler University, which is a private institution, great PA program, very expensive. So I graduated with $161,000 in student loan debt from that.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a lot of debt. And I can't wait to share with others about your debt payback story. But first, how did you learn about financial independence?
1: It was actually through me having all of that debt. So there was a big blessing in disguise and silver lining to me graduating with all of that debt, really having to dig into what I was going to do to deal with it. And then along that journey, um, really, of like reading financial, just personal finance blogs and personal finance books, I learned about financial independence along the way.
0: Okay. And when you had that $161,000 in student loan debt, you took immediate action to implement a game plan to tackle those student loans. You were able to pay that debt off in 16 months, which is absolutely amazing. How were you able to do that?
1: Well, um, really, it all started right after graduation. I really was a poor planner during PA school, and I didn't know really how much student loan that I had even accrued until I sat down sometime around graduation and added it up. So at that time, I became really overwhelmed. I went through a period where I was like depressed about it, ultimately decided I need to make a plan. And so before I had even really earned my first paycheck, because you know, if you're a fellow PA, you know, there's this long waiting period of getting your license and getting credentialed and all of those things, um, I had decided that we were going to attack this as quickly as humanly possible. So um, I'm married. I was married then as well. And my husband and I decided that we would live on his entire income, actually a little bit less than that even, and put everything else towards student loans. So when I first started, you know, with my primary job only, was, I thought it was going to take me still a substantial amount of time, even just doing that. Then I slowly came around to, you know, I can increase my income, I could potentially pick up one or two shifts a month and um, make more payments that way. And then as we started that process and I started to see progress and see the student loan balance coming down, I realized like, wow, I could go crazy. I could work a ton for a very short period of time and get this completely taken care of. So that's what I decided to do. That actually wasn't my initial plan at the beginning. And when I first started, I would have never dreamed I could have taken care of it in 16 months. But um, I became addicted to the process, kind of. And about halfway through, I just said, it doesn't matter. Um, Whatever the extra shift is, you know, weekends, nights, holidays, I will work it. And I will put all of that money towards my student loans, which was exactly what we did.
0: That's amazing. It sounds like it was probably an ambitious and somewhat difficult process, but it's great that you did that. Did you feel like you started noticing any symptoms of burnout during that process? And if so, what did you do to try to help with those?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, anytime you go through a season where you're working a lot, whether it's in a PA program and you're working in terms of studying or, you know, working extra because there's a global pandemic or whatever it is, burnout is a very real thing. So over the years, I've learned my own little tricks that work for that. I have a few like key podcasts that I listen to that really motivate me. Um, I have Sort of a selection of books that I tend to go to that tend to motivate me as well, and then I always make time for exercise, even if it's twenty minute workout. And by staying consistent with those things, doing the podcast on the commute, they it helped me to kind of mentally stay focused and doing well, even though I was in a season of working really, really
0: hard. That's awesome. So, how long was that season for you, where you were working many hours a week, and was it about? Was it 80 hours a week on average, you had said before?
1: Probably. And it was at least a year. So the whole thing took about 16 months. And I was working extra at the beginning. But probably the whole last year of that, I was working a lot extra. Which, you know, I looked at it in terms of doing my own little residency. I know plenty of physicians, pharmacists, and now PAs that have done residencies or fellowships and worked 80 to 100 hours a week. And so I kind of looked at it that that was my my little residency. I would spend all of my time in the hospital. I learned a lot that way because I saw a lot more patients. And in the process, was able to increase my income enough to make a huge payment, make a huge debt on my loan.
0: That's great. So there were financial benefits as well as professional benefits in growing your career as a PA. That's awesome. Then after you paid off all that student loan debt in such a short amount of time, You and your husband focused on paying off your mortgage, which I believe you were able to pay off before you turned 30. Is that right?
1: Yes. So my husband was 30 by about two weeks when we did it, and I hadn't turned 30 yet.
0: That's awesome. Um,
1: I get a lot of questions about that. That was our decision. It is definitely not the best thing to do for everyone. So I want to preface by saying that. Um, We had purchased a foreclosure when we bought our house. So, our mortgage was much lower than the average mortgage. We also live in a low cost of living area, and we had been making increased mortgage payments for a while. So, what was left on our mortgage balance was not a substantial amount of money. And while we were doing that, we were investing at the time about 18% of our income for retirement. So, I don't want everyone to think that necessarily paying off the mortgage next is the right move. Sometimes the right move is investing. And if you are paying off your mortgage, you need to be doing at least 15 to 20% for retirement while you do it. But I'll tell you what, it is really, really nice to have absolutely no bills. We love it. We love it. We have, you know, like insurance and utilities and things, but
0: it costs very little for us to live, which is very nice. That's amazing. So much of your journey to financial independence is about you trying to figure out what you value. And it sounds as though you and your husband valued being debt-free pretty early in your life and in your career. So if that's what your choice was, then that's amazing because I'm sure that that relief afterwards is indescribable. So that's great that you guys did that. And then you and your husband are now expecting your first baby girl, which is super exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. And so has your plan to reach financial independence with expecting your daughter changed at all? And if so, in what ways? Mm Mm-hmm. Not really.
1: When I think of financial independence, everyone approaches that differently. For some people, it means, like, you know, at 38 or whatever age they would like to hit their big number app, that they never want to work again. That was never either of our intentions. We both really enjoy work, but we would really like the option to make work a lot more flexible and a lot more centered around our passions than what pays well. Sure. So, For me, that's the goal, and we were planning on hitting that in our mid-40s. Now, when I had said that, that was based on, in my mind, us lowering our investing rate over time. So for quick reference, a lot of people will give you a rough estimate that if you invest 50% of your income, then you'll hit financial independence in 15 years. Now, we've been doing way more than 50% of our income, actually. So for the past you know, year and a half or so, we've been doing quite a bit more than that. And once we have, of course, a child, our childcare will add an expense, as will all of her stuff. And that savings rate will go down some, probably below 50%. But regardless, we should still hit that somewhere in our 40s. Again, it's not that we don't want to work. Um, I'm not against people that don't want to work anymore at a certain age, but I don't think it's my style and I have reservations about setting an example for a family like for kiddos that you don't need to work for money. And I know that it's like you did work for the money, but I just I have concerns, personal concerns about that and plenty of people have navigated around it, but it's my concern. So I think we'll still probably continue to work. Work will look a lot different and work will hopefully be something that allows for a lot of family time but we still plan to have a very high investing rate, just slightly
0: lower than where we're at right now. Yeah, that's great. I think that it's wonderful to try to lead with example with your future kiddos so they can see that you guys are both hard workers. So I think that's a very great decision. And then I think too, that it opens you up to the possibility in the future that if you do need to dial back quite a bit on work, or if you know something happens that you unfortunately can't work, then you are completely covered with finances. So You guys have worked really hard up front in your lives and in your careers to be able to plan for the future so that you'll be able to be taken care of. Exactly.
1: And I think any of us that work in healthcare are fully aware of the fact that we are not all afforded the ability to work as long as we plan to work. So having the financial capability for that not to be a disaster if it occurs is really a huge blessing. Because the reality is, you know, people's health status changes throughout their lifetime. And even if you intend to be full-time, you know, employed for the next 40 years, that just may not be an option for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then besides practicing as a critical care PA, you have also mentioned on Instagram how you have several other streams of income besides your primary role. So which of these have been some of the most enjoyable, the most interesting, the most fun? And how did you get into these roles? Um, great question. I
1: feel like I've done kind of a lot of different things, some a little, some a lot. Hands down, the most fun thing I've done has been my business. I just enjoy it. I enjoy talking to other people in similar boats who often aren't discouraged and hopefully feeling like maybe I've, you know, left some sort of positive impact in the world. Um, so that's the most fun. I've done a bunch of moonlighting, which is fun per se. It just depends, you know, if you're in a season of burnout then picking up an extra shift doesn't always feel good. So, I would rank that a little lower. Um, I've done some adjunct faculty work which being totally honest, if you're looking at hourly rate for increasing your income is not the most lucrative, but really a lot of fun. Sure. And again, you feel like maybe you're leaving kind of a positive impact hopefully on the students. And then um, I've done some expert witness work, which actually has been really enjoyable. I've had a really, really good time like reviewing some cases and kind of imagining if that person, you know, rolled up into my ICU, what would I do if I were in their shoes and thinking through that? So it's one of the great parts of being a PA is that our profession is very multifaceted. You can pursue a whole lot of different things, even within clinical medicine. And then there's a bunch of stuff you can do outside of clinical medicine too. So um, I speak for LifeVest, which is a medical device, and like really enjoy doing that and get to meet a lot of people and network. So there are all sorts of avenues you can take, whether you pursue those full-time or part-time or to what level is completely up to you. And, you know, maybe you're in a season where you do more, which I probably was. And then once we have a little girl, I'll be in a season where I'll do less and that's okay. But it's nice to just have those opportunities available to you, especially if you're in a season where you're really trying to increase your income for a short period of time.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's so awesome that you're so entrepreneurial. You've tried many different side hustles, so to speak, as a PA, and then also offshoots of being able to use your role to be able to help others too. So that's awesome. Do you have any other future plans to add other streams of income on your way to financial independence I believe you've mentioned potentially getting into real estate. Have you started that at all or kind of thinking about that with your husband currently?
1: That is our um, plan for next year. And there's a bunch of different ways you can approach real estate. And um, some people are more comfortable than others with having really leveraged portfolios. So we've done a lot of talking about, you know, do we want to use debt? How much debt would we be comfortable with? Some people hold properties in their individual names, and then other people will hold them within an LLC for liability purposes, especially if you've accrued you know, substantial other assets that you'd like to protect. So we are in the process of figuring out our own way to do that, but we'll likely do our first house next year. So that'll be a big adventure. Like anything new, there's a lot of learning. So we're both still in the phase of reading books, listening to podcasts, and um, following people on social media who have already done this so that we can learn as much as we can. But it's hard because you get into a point where you could do like analysis paralysis of the analysis where you're like, Learning and learning and learning and never doing it. But you also want to learn enough that you don't just flop. (laughs) So we're trying to find the balance point and shoot for first house would be like second half of next
0: year. That's awesome. My husband and I have certainly considered real estate as well. And we're hoping to do that in the future too. But it can seem a little bit overwhelming when there's so many resources out there. And like you said, you want to go in with your eyes wide open. You want to go in there with a game plan and, you know, there's money that you have to put down on the line. So you're trying to figure out how to balance, right? Trying to invest another way. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what you end up doing next year. And then we'll see if and when we get into real estate as well. So that's an excellent form of additional income that people can use on their way to financial independence.
1: Absolutely. And plenty of people do it very well to the point that their investment real estate alone provides their financial independence. So there's a lot of potential growth there. But like we said, anything, you know, new requires some learning. So definitely, you just have to kind of figure out what you're doing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And then as you mentioned, you have your own business. It's called Strive with Kristen. And you have launched a course that's especially for new grads in healthcare, including new PA grads. So tell us a bit about the course, what types of information new grads can learn by taking the course. Sure.
1: I basically made a course with everything that I wish someone would have told me when I graduated (laughs) because I didn't know really any of this stuff. And I think that most new grads, whether you're a PA and P pharmacist don't, and most have similar questions being what approach do I take to my loans? Do I do PSLF? Do I pay them off quickly? Do I pay them off slowly? What does it really mean to refinance or do a consolidation? Are those the same thing, different? All those kind of questions. But then I talk a little bit too about the big life purchases that come up frequently after graduation, like replacing a car or buying a house, because those are the things that really can derail you financially if you do them poorly. So I try to cover some ways to make sure those decisions are wise. Talk about contract negotiation, not like... Hours and things like that—really, the financial parts. Um, like, does a match matter? Your HSA match? How do you figure out the total compensation package? How do you calculate your effective hourly wage? Those kinds of things. And then I finish with an introduction of really how you can start investing, what accounts you should use, if you do a residency, maybe some caveats you should consider, and things like that. Um, it's not my deepest dive into investing. I have a completely different masterclass about that. But it does give you enough to kind of start the wheels turning, emphasize the importance of starting early, and then help you factor that into your plan as you're figuring out what to do with those loans.
0: Yeah, definitely. That sounds like a wonderful course. I'll definitely put the link to sign up for that course in the show notes. So if you are interested in taking the Money Bootcamp for New White Coats course with Kristen, please use that link to register and connect with Kristen so you can take her course and learn all those things that she mentioned. This is definitely the type of course that I also wish that I would have had as a new grad. It likely would have encouraged me to invest sooner, start, you know, time is the friend of compound interest, but also avoid some of the financial mistakes that I've made over the years. So it sounds like a wonderful course. Thank you. And then Kristen, where can listeners find you?
1: Well, my biggest social media presence is on Instagram. I'm on Instagram all the time. I answer all my DMs. So at strive with Kristen is probably the easiest place to find me, but you can also go to my website, www.strivewithkristin.com. I have a blog and some other free downloads and things you can get started with. And my contact information is on there as well. So if you have a question, you could email me directly.
0: That sounds great. If you don't already follow Kristen over on Instagram, it's an incredible resource. She's always posting such helpful information on there. So I definitely recommend that you follow. And I'll put both the link to follow on Instagram as well as her website in the show notes as well. So definitely check those out. And thank you so much, Kristen, for joining us today, for sharing your amazing financial independence story, as well as for creating your amazing resource for PAs. It was really fun chatting with you today, and do you feel like that there's anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today that we haven't covered already? No, I just
1: wanna thank you for doing this podcast and for being a resource for other healthcare professionals who probably don't know a lot about financial independence and can be encouraged by hearing from you and all the people that you talk with about how this is really genuinely possible for the average person, even with their student loans, even with all of the messy stuff that comes along with life and money, that you know, with time, like you mentioned, with compound interest, this is something that's very, very possible for all PAs and other healthcare professionals. So thank you for what you do. And again, thank you for your Instagram presence as well, always sharing value. And I very much appreciate you having me on here today.
0: It was a ton of fun. So to the listeners, if you've gotten value out of today's episode, Please share it with other new grad PAs that you know, such as your friends from PA school or other colleagues. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for future episodes and leave a review to share the things that you enjoy about the podcast. It'd be thoroughly appreciated as it will help other current and future PAs find this information about how to become a PA the by way. So have a wonderful rest of the day and enjoy the upcoming weekend. And thanks again, Kristen. I really appreciate it. Thank you.